Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We're joined by Billy Munger to talk racing, rehabilitation, and the future. Welcome to a very special edition of the Autosport Podcast, where we welcome a guest who has been one of the biggest stories in motorsport during the past year and a half. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and our guest today probably needs no introduction, given the impact he's had with his remarkable comeback from sort of potentially devastating injuries. I, I can't believe anybody doesn't know this, but Billy Munger, uh, double amputee after a massive accident in the F4 British Championship race at uh, Donington Park in April last year. But since then, not only have you adapted to living your day-to-day life but you've also returned to racing in single seaters in brdc british f3 claimed a couple of podium finishes this season tested a 2011 sauber formula one car so it's been a, it's been a busy uh, a busy year and a half have, have you had the chance to get used to this this sudden fame yet um oh yeah i don't know really i've just been um like you say going from one thing to the next it's been um a hectic year for me obviously with this the season, all the pre-season stuff, work we had to do with Carlin to to get me out on the grid. Um, so yeah, I've not really had the chance, like you say, to kind of get used to like everything that I've got going on at the minute. But no, it's, um, I've just been trying to enjoy it. All. 
if you count of how many interviews you've had to do, because not only are you obviously a big story in motorsport, but the the wider world, you're cropping up all over the place. Yeah, I don't tend to keep count. I just, um, yeah, just um, doing what I can, really. Also joining me for this podcast is Stefan Mackley from Motorsport News. You're covering the BRDC British F3 Championship this year. What, what do you make of, of Billy's story and what he's done behind the wheel this year? Um, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's been quite incredible. I mean... Obviously, you're you know using the car now using hand controls, um, so it's left hand with your accelerator, and you're using your right hand to change gears, and um, using your your right little stump to to brake. Um, and I mean, for for people out there wondering, oh well, you know, people can adapt and that sort of thing. You know, sure, that's that's the case, but you're managing to actually compete, you know, in in a sport in motorsport um, at a very high level. Um, and, you know, you're doing yourself no disservice against your teammates, for example. Um, so I don't think it's to be underestimated just how you know well you've adapted to it because you had what two two months to sort of get used to the car before the first race at Alton Park, was yeah, it? Yeah. So my my first test in the car was sort of it was around sort of the the end of end to middle of February. So up until that point, it had all been simulator work and kind of coming up with ideas of control systems and then f- from that point onwards the first test it was then quite hectic to the first race of the year trying new stuff learning what was good what was bad so there was definitely a lot of work that went in before we'd even got to round one that other people hadn't had to worry about so in some ways that was good because I had to do a lot of time in the car but in other ways we had a lot more to think about rather than just getting quicker and quicker and quicker and you also had the small matter of changing the the rules on being able to race a single seater in an international championship. In, yeah, definitely. In I mean, that was that was um that took a few months to, to with the help of the MSA and the FIA to to um for that to happen. But we, luckily, we managed to get that done before I started driving the car. So that was um a big um part of things out of the way quite early on, which is good. I mean, it's crazy to think, isn't it, that up until last, well, the beginning of this year, there was a, a rule that said that drivers with a disability weren't allowed to actually compete in single seaters. You know, in 2018, you'd think that, you know, the fact that that rule was written in the first place is sort of questionable, maybe, but to have it until the start of this year is, is kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, when you put it like that, that the start of this season, there was a rule in place saying I couldn't do what I've done this season. And for me, it's um, this year's been a good learning year for me to get back into it. Obviously, I've gone from having controlled carts and cars in a certain way for probably about 11 years now to have, having one season under my belt. So experience-wise, I've got a lot still to to, to gain from, from carrying on, um, doing what I'm doing. But I definitely, um, yeah, I'm proud of the progress that me and Carlin have made with everything. So in terms of the actual driving, you said you had to work through some ideas about how to do it. So I guess right from the start, immediately your focus was on getting back into racing and there were still single-seater aspirations. So how, how did you approach that in terms of thinking about how to control things and then and then learning? Is it is it almost a f- completely fresh relearning or is it is it adapting to the way you used to be able to drive? To be honest, although, it's, although you're adapting to drive it differently, it's almost a completely new beginning from where we started off at i mean in the the last months of um 2017 when we first really started cracking on with the simulator work um first of all i was doing everything on the steering wheel when my was my legs were still healing from injuries so i couldn't practice braking with my legs or or on the shorter prosthetics it was all purely down to driving with 
um, the brake, the throttle and the gears all on the wheel, which was incredibly difficult. And that was sort of the first eye-opening moment I had was when I started to do that, I realised just, I knew quite early on that it would be very, very difficult to to be fully competitive with everything going on on the wheel. So I knew that if I could, using my leg to brake or do or some other way was going to be the way to, way forward. I was always amazed at Alex Zanardi, who I uh, covered while touring cars when he was doing it for, for BMW, the fact he could brake to a, a high level uh, using... Um, I mean, how, how easy has it been to adapt to that and getting that brake feel and the, the strength, the ability to be really positive with the with the brake pedal and then modulating control because that's hugely complex it's difficult enough to do <laughs> where you were driving before yeah definitely i mean it is um it's a challenge um like every every system that i'm using to control different parts of the car is a challenge for me um but i think we're so far we're doing ourselves proud and we're we are um we're making progress in every department which is what we've got to keep doing now to keep getting better and to to help us get better results in the future um Breaking with my right leg on a short prosthetic. Um, when we first tried doing it, I think I could manage hitting about about thirty to forty bar brake pressure. Which obviously, for a, the likes of a British F3 car, you want to be able to hit sort of one ten uh, at most most circuits. Um, so it was a big gap from me to being uh, a level I'd be competitive at. So a lot of work, strength and training wise, went in over the the winter months to make sure I could um, start hitting closer to 100 bar um, and yeah we managed to we're now hitting over 100 bar so for me there's been a lot of progression not only in the controls but in um, my strength and my capabilities of getting the most out of it. I think that's showing on the track as well I mean at Brands Hatch you qualified third and you were less than half a, half a tenth off from pole position I think so mm. I mean obviously it's a, it's a close field anyway but you know I don't think I think now you've got on top of if there were any issues I think you've got on top of them and um, you know you're not out of place at the front of the field at all No definitely not I mean the last we've made progression all year um, especially in the last three meetings of the season it's been I've gone from being two tenths of pole to a tenth of pole to half a tenth of pole so I do feel like I'm, although I maybe haven't haven't achieved so like a Brands Hatch where I didn't get on the podium, it was probably the best I've driven in some of in the car in qualifying at least anyway. Um, although we didn't quite get the end result um, results we were looking for for me, um, yeah, it was definitely a, a step forward. And hopefully, the last two rounds we can find that extra half tenth tenth to to put us at the front. Obviously, when it comes to to your season, because of your backstory, it's it's become this whole bigger thing. But you are at heart a racing driver trying to be successful. I always remember with Zidardi when I first started dealing with him, he was always very easy to deal with, but never quite got a great rapport with him. But I remember just saying to him, "Well, ultimately, in my position, I have to evaluate your performances as as a driver, regardless of all the other other factors." And he seemed to quite like that. And I mean, is it difficult to to kind of have? I mean, it's great to have so much interest and in people kind of inspired by what you're doing, but you are also a racing driver trying to go out there, win races. You know, uh, you know, you could almost, two podiums from one perspective is fantastic, but you're probably also thinking, oh, there could have been more because that's, that's how drivers, that's how drivers think. So 
I mean, do, do you, uh, is there times when you're sort of almost frustrated by the by the level of performance because you are just a driver trying to do the best you can? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, like you say, two podiums so far this season is is good. Um, to be honest, but before the start of the season, if I'd gone to round one and I'd been a second off the pace and at the right at the back of the, the grid, then two pit podiums could would be seen as a massive achievement from progression wise. I'm I'm just purely looking at it at the minute in that perspective is that I want to be progressing forward, not staying where I am unless I'm winning, and then that I'll be quite happy to to stay there and keep winning. Um, but for yeah, like I say, for me, it's all about seeing progress because um, if I'm prog- if I keep progressing, I will get better and I will start to climb up the grid. Um, so obviously, if I hadn't had to deal with this and I'd gone into the British F3 as a, as I was before. Then two, I'd be pretty disappointed. I think with two podiums so far, because I'd, I see guys like Linus Lumfist who I've raced against and beaten in F4. Um, so I've I've seen these guys. I've raced against them. I've beaten them. So I know I'm capable of driving to the same level, if not better than them, on my on my best day. Um, so for me, I want to get back to that so that I'm capable of beating them. Um, so two podiums is good, but it's also it's it's not winning every race, so there's still work to be done. I mean, speaking of winning races, I mean, obviously two rounds left. The next one at Donington, obviously, where the accident happened. I mean, how great would it be if you know you managed to take your first win, you know, at the tra- at the track where obviously that that horrible accident took place? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't see, I don't, I don't tend to view Donington any differently before, as a, in terms of it's just a circuit. It's not the circuit's fault why the accident happened. It was just a. A, a fluke accident that was um, no one's fault so I kind of I'm just viewing Donington as I would if I was driving before and I, I love the circuit so I'm I'm sure that if we um, put everything together there's no reason why we can't make it our first win and that's what I'll be gunning to do um, straight from Friday practice. And Stefan to put this into context for, for people obviously the BRDC British F3 Championship it's a, it's a competitive series isn't it it's not you know, it's not easy to win it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what perhaps didn't help was last year is um, Inam Ahmed, um, who's racing in European Formula Three this season. He he sort of walked away with the championship. Um, but I mean, as as we've sort of just said that this year the field in terms of qualifying, especially, has just been so close. I mean, I think uh, Jamie Caroline, who um, joined Carlin at Spa, he was I think half a second off pole, and he was fourteenth. You know, half a second covering the top fourteen cars. I mean, you certainly don't see that in Formula One. Um, so yeah, like you say, it's it's definitely a very very close field. Um, and you know, for you to be Billy up at the front and challenging for podiums almost every race now, you know, that's a great testament to the work you and Carlin have put in. Um, and you know, it's going to be a great end to the season. Um, you know, I think certainly, you know, you've probably got a great chance of getting podiums and, and maybe standing on that top step. Yeah. Does it kind of feel you've you've almost got back to the point where you were before the accident? Because there you were on the brink of kind of a breakthrough victory. That was probably almost around the corner with uh, with a, a normal season. Uh, do you think you're you're back to back to that sort of point? I still don't think I'm quite back to the level I was at before. Um, purely from a factor of in F4, the likes of Jamie and Linus, we were we were fighting with consistently all the time. Um, Jamie, I've not had the opportunity to race with the entire season. So at Spa, we we managed to beat him, but it was his first time in the car. At Brands, actually did a great job and had a first and a second place. And Linus, obviously leading the championship for me, that's got sort of that's the benchmark because 
at the point I had my accident, we were like ahead in the championship in F4. Um, although I then had, like you say, a, nearly a season's worth of racing out, I see that as the only draw, the only thing that that might have an influence on my performance compared to Linus. If I was back um, racing without injuries, the fact you have three quarters of a season now, it's quite easy to lose that extra tenth you've you you build up from just getting used to the car. Um, but apart from that, if I was racing without without my injuries, I'd be expecting to to be fighting with him consistently, trying to beat him consistently. So I, that's what the only drawback I have at the minute from my injuries is that I feel like I still am not competing to my maximum potential um, of what I have what I had before. Um, so that means we've got to work harder. Um, to make sure we we get back to that and, and take a step further on, so that I, I listen. I want to win every race that I I compete in, and if I'm not doing that, it means we're not getting them the maximum out of everything. If that's me not getting the maximum out of myself and driving to my best, or not learning from the mistakes we've made, it there needs to be progression there, um, all the way through. That that's the that's what I see from the F1 guys is they're always progressing. They're always making steps to improve. And I've got to do that and more to, to get to that sort of level of racing. What are your kind of longer term objectives? Are you seeing F3 again next season? Is that the chance to kind of put what you've learned this season into, into practice consistently through a whole year? Would that, would that be the, not necessarily the ideal, but a, a realistic plan? It's, it's very, um, out in the open at the minute, especially with the changes being made to how single seaters is going to be devised with the with potentially European F3 being kicked out and GP3 becoming the new F3. It's going to be interesting to see how that all unfolds and um, what series look like they're going to be competitive. Obviously, for me, it's I've got to think budget wise of what what I'm allowed to do, what I've got the budget to do. Obviously, that's something that I've got to work on to make sure. There's n- that budget doesn't really affect what I drive because that ideally that wouldn't come into play and I'd be able to race whatever I wanted to. Um, so if we if we decide to move up to the new what GP3 becomes, that could be a, a potential um, goal for next year. Or we could, like you say, race in whatever the new British Formula 3 becomes. And um, it's all going to be depending on how these changes are made. But um, overall... I would like to be in a, a competitive field again because I need to be challenging myself to improve as a driver. Um, if British F3 isn't as competitive next year due to the changes, then it might be we might need to make a step to a different category. Obviously, I'd love to if it's as competitive as this year to be able to race it again and go for the championship and and make that our objective and like say take the experiences I've learned from this year and try and make the the championship the end goal. Um, yeah, so it's definitely um, up for up for sort of for a question or whether we do British F3 again or something else. So, just depends how it all plays out. Well, Stefan, it's it's interesting talking about budget. I imagine there'll be people on the outside thinking it'll be easy for you to raise budget with <laughs> for Billy to raise budget with the with the backstory, but it's never easy, is it? You know, this this is a huge upward battle for anybody to get onto. Yeah, no, BRDCF3 def- is relatively yeah. cheap compared to some, but. It's- it's still a huge sum of money. Especially single-seaters as well. I think any young driver trying to go up the single-seater ladder is difficult. Um, and Billy's touched on it there. I mean, for next year, 
um, single seaters is a is a difficult one to kind of work out what's happening, especially with British F three. Um, this all stems from the FIA wanting to have regional F three championships. Um, so as far as I understand, British F three could become one of these championships, but it would mean that a new car would have to be used um, with a with a halo device um, fit to the car. Um, but if it was not to go down that route, then it wouldn't be called F three, and obviously it would lose some of that prestige and you know the name um so it's a tricky one i mean there's nothing wrong with the current championship as it is and nothing wrong with the cars it's just one of those unfortunate things that the fia have decided needs needs restructuring um and unfortunately you know it's kind of come at a, a bad time for for your career billy you know in a, in a certain sense um you know because obviously you know the the season you know the, the championship this year is very competitive um and you know there'd be no disappointment i suppose in staying and doing another year and and you know really challenging for the championship and, and that sort of thing because obviously you know you've touched as well on uh, linus lungfist leading the championship um i mean he's he's i think he can pretty much wrap it up at the next round at donnington um but you saying that you know you were on sort of an equal um par with him um in british f4 you know it's obviously it's one of those things that you know he's he's, he's kind of taken that next level up but there's no reason that you can't do the same yeah, no, definitely. Like I say, Linus is a, it was a, a really tough racer in F4. I remember the first sort of four or five races of the season that I raced against him. He, he was, he had the pace and he was, you could see the potential was there for him to, to go on to achieve. Um, F4, he didn't quite achieve what he could have. Um, but you can see he's made that step up to F3 and he's made a step up in his driving because he's been so consistent more than anything else. I don't think he's finished outside the sort of, out, he hasn't not finished the race anyway so everyone else that's had dnfs and mechanical failures he's managed to avoid all of that and be consistently up the front which is what you need in a championship um to fight for to fight for it and you can see that from the gap in the the championship that he's got um so that's as my my reference of where i was at competitive wise before although it's a new car and everything like that that's the only mark i have to compare to at the minute of someone i've raced against the season before and how we both make the step up to the next level um i've still got um although i'm very very close to being where i need to be i've still got work to do and me and the team at carling can can help us to achieve that in terms of where the last remaining bits of time to be made up are is it just a general half a percent here half a percent there or are there any specific areas one of the reasons i asked is obviously again referring to zanardi because that's a good frame of reference for me i know he had times where there were certain types of corners and situations that were tricky for him like macau the hairpin until they adapted his car he had to put it into neutral and roll it around which was costing him about a second a lap because that's the only way he could he could do it because there was a limitation on how much he he could do or is it for you is it just a question of just improving all around and just chipping away those last little bits or are there a, yeah, areas. it's very difficult to say exactly where the time is, um, to be honest. Um, I think there's always going to be stuff that we've, after only one season, there's always going to be stuff that hand control wise, some corners, some types of corners that suit the way that my hand controls are set up and some that don't. Um, so there's definitely potentially time in, in adjusting the hand controls to suit that. And there's definitely time in, in me as a driver. I mean, I'm far from the complete package as a driver. I've still got a lot of a lot of things to learn and a lot of um a lot of things to to get hold of properly. Um and like you say being only the last three rounds within a tenth and a half of a pole and all three 
Um, it's not like I'm, like you say, not like I'm losing a second at a, a specific corner. It might be a tenth, it might be half a tenth. Um, but if there's time there to be found, we need to figure out whether it's in me or if it's in the, ha- the way that I'm controlling the car. Um, and to be honest, at the last round at Brands Hatch, when I qualified third, um, and like you say, like half a tenth of pole, the potential was there for pole because the lap, bef- the lap before, um, through corner number eight, I was a tenth quicker the lap before than I was my best lap. So you take that tenth off, if I've managed to match it, and I'm on pole by half a tenth. So it's just, it's fine margins at the minute for me. And I think if I can put everything that that I know I'm capable of on one lap, I think I'll, I'll be on pole, to be honest. Um, so I know that's what we're capable of and just need to make sure that Hopefully, either at Donington or Brand or Silverstone, that we've got two more rounds left that I managed to to get a pole position because I think for that for me would be a good achievement to be to know that I'm quicker than everyone else over one lap. Um, race pace has always not been a problem for me. Um, I've done I did a lot of karting when I was younger and a lot of old tire karting, um, slicks in the rain stuff like that since I was eight. So I, know, I always know that come the races that my pace would be strong. Um, and I think I've now got to a stage where I've learned the car enough to figure out what suits me as a driver and the way I'm driving the car and what doesn't suit me. Um, I, we always tend to normally go slightly different on my set, setup to my teammates, just purely down to the fact that there's some things I do with the steering and the throttle and the brake that impact the car differently to everyone else. And it's very hard to replicate the same car as what my other teammates have and, and go out and drive it because I'm doing things slightly differently. One of the interesting things about adapting to greater hand controls is when you think about the, the way cars are controlled, there's no fundamental reason why it has to be as it is. There were good sound mechanical reasons when you had much more direct linkages to everything in terms of using your, your hands and feet. But has it sort of made you think, actually, there's there are advantages to having a, a hand throttle, for example, that perhaps could be adapted for, for anyone because there's, there's an advantage in doing it. I know there's there's a few examples of uh, I think of one driver who who said that they could be they could be just as quick on one of the F1 simulators using a basically an Xbox controller as with the the normal setup mm. basically to within half a tenth or so. So clearly it's not the only way of doing it. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, like you say, we need to between me and Carlin, we need to find really work on finding them advantages if there are any and exploiting them and trying to make them work for us obviously the FIA were quite heavily involved in the system we use to make sure that I I don't get, have an advantage overall compared to everyone else um, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean we can't maximise what we have to a point where we're, we're level um, I don't think the con- like I say I don't think the controls make us any uh, put us at any disadvantage um, at the minute we we don't see them as an advantage at all because we're still they're so still so new to us. But you never know in in another six twelve months I could be sat here saying yeah the controls I have do give me an advantage in this area, um, but I'll need a lot more time to to be able to figure that out. And, and has it sort of become fully intuitive the way you're driving now? Do you feel like you're as, as adapted to it as you as you were be your previous way of, of driving, or is there still a little bit of you trying to build up the because obviously you did a huge amount of karting so are you still building up all that muscle memory and just so it's a just absolutely second nature and all in the subconscious processing and I have to think about yeah, anything it's, it's definitely it's definitely getting to the point where it's at a subconscious level I mean 
when I drive the car, I don't have to think about what I'm doing. Like in terms, of I don't have to think. Okay, the throttle's here, the brakes here. That's we're we're far past that point. But in terms of like say that muscle memory, that instinct of if you have a, a an oversteer moment, how much to come out the throttle um, before you be able to figure that out on the, the throttle. Now for me, I've got to figure out what exactly where how much throttle I can take out the paddle. So it's just a different way of doing things. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, the way I drive is natural. We just need to to work on the, everything else around it to to make it so that you don't think about anything because that's how you you drive the best. Stefan, obviously, um, having followed the championship all this year, we always look at the strengths and and weaknesses of the drivers. How how would you evaluate the sort of the the detail of what of what Billy's done in terms of the, the you know the racecraft, the qualifying pace, all sure, these things, yeah. the things we normally I, I assess. Mean, obviously, great you know great starts, sort of the dream return, really. You know, a podium at Alton Park in the first race back. Um, I know when we spoke at the sort of the start of the year, you said that um, racing in the wet perhaps was sort of trickier than than the, the dry, um, simply for the fact that obviously you are modulating the throttle with your hand and running over curbs, for example. That was sort of a, a tricky thing to try and, as you just mentioned, modulate, you know, work out how much throttle to put on and, and take off and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I think it'd be fair to say, obviously, there's been a few few blips this season, maybe. Um, I know at Rockingham, I mean, at Rockingham, you, you looked really, really quick and just sort of circumstances sort of took the chance for a, a good result away, really. Um, but I mean, certainly towards the end of, you know, the last few races, as you say, you know, you've been at the front, you know, podium at Spa, um, you know, on pure pace. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to be honest, you know, first season back after the accident, I mean, I think it's been, I mean, yeah, how, how would you how would you rate it out of 10? Would you give it a, I mean, I'd probably say maybe a 7.5 going on an 8. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's, like I say, it's quite hard to, to judge my performance from, from my perspective because I've got nothing, no baseline to compare it to. Um, this is the first season I've done. Next season, I might be half a second quicker everywhere and go, well, last year, what was I doing? I was um, obviously not getting the maximum out of it. Um, there's been ups and downs to the season, like you say, rocking at Rockingham and other events like that where we've we've been involved in incidents um, which have cost us good results. At Rockingham, I think, to be honest, we had the pace for a podium um, at least. So we've definitely not maximised every race weekend we've been at in terms of pure results. Um so from from that point of view, um, there's definitely I could I could have done better in certain circumstances myself to to not put myself in them situations. Um, but in terms of in terms of the amount I've learnt this season, I'd I'd rate it very highly because I I've, I do believe I've learnt an incredible amount um, about the car, about how I drive, about every about technique, everything is I've learnt a lot. So I I, I couldn't see myself progressing and learning any more than I have done. In terms of the results, obviously, unless I'm winning, I'd give it like a, a four or a five, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, typical yeah, racing driver there. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm really yeah not that impressed with myself unless I'm winning every race. So there's definitely more to come. And in terms of what you're doing in single-seaters, are there any kind of impediments down the line other than the budget side? I mean, Stefan mentioned the halo coming in, obviously, for, for drivers in Formula 1, they have all sorts of problems because they have to get out over the top of it and then not tread on the bargeboard bits and pieces and everything. So it's, it is it is a problem for getting in and out of the car. Is that the thing that could pose a problem in terms of uh, of getting in and out for you? Are you fairly confident that's... Because that, that's becoming a real, a fact of life in single-seater racing now, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Halo is, uh, is going to be introduced to junior categories from next year. So it's something that if I'm going to race 
single seaters I'm going to have to deal with. I mean, with getting my license back for this season, I had to be able to prove I could get out of the car within seven seconds, which, for to be honest, was actually a lot easier than you'd think. It's um, I probably reckon I'm quicker than I was before, to be honest, because um, I don't have to take the steering wheel off um, when I get out the car and then put it back on. So that it's definitely, I guess, if you're looking for an advantage, I think that that's one of the ones I have in terms of I can get out the car quick. Um, obviously, the halo for me might become be trickier than for others because of the way I'm I do get out of the car at the minute. But until I try it, I won't know whether again it's an advantage or if it's something that's going to really hurt me. I guess given stuff you've overcome previously, it's a that's, that's a fairly minor one by comparison. Yeah, I, I'd imagine. Um, if I do struggle with it at first, then a little bit of hard work should be able to, to get me around that one. I mean, the amazing thing is we're talking about this, uh, the, the racing achievement, but against the backdrop of this, you've also had just the, the day-to-day thing to deal with of, of adapting to, to life after this. But it does seem that motorsport's given you that great focal point to really straight away work towards and the sort of driving force behind sort of a reason to, to conquer all the challenges that, you know, the rest of us have fortunately never to have to have to confront but it's been one challenge after another for kind of a year and a half for you to get to the to this point uh, and I guess that that challenge must have must make a, a huge difference to you in terms of just giving you that that motivation yeah 100% I mean um, when I started my rehab and obviously when at that point I didn't know whether I'd race or not it was quite it's, it is quite difficult to to start something that's quite it's, it's a long physical process and it and when I had the chance to speak to Alex and Andy before I started my rehab he kind of basically explained to me that um, as a racing driver he knows we like to do everything quick but this doesn't this rehab doesn't take you can't rush it you can't cut and do any shortcuts it's it is what it is and you have to take your time with it um, so obviously that for me was is it's quite difficult to to take that in that um, with everything going on like that. But I definitely think racing and having that objective of getting back to racing and doing this and doing it properly and being competitive, that's definitely helped me in other areas of my life to to get my rehab um, done as quick as possible. I mean, I'm still learning day-to-day things now about how I can do certain things or if I know that I now can't do certain things, how to maybe tried something doing it in a different way um but the element of challenge that i've had in my rehabilitation and the goals that i've had set for my that i've set for myself to get back racing have definitely helped me get back day-to-day stuff a lot quicker i guess there's a bit of a technical challenge there as well because i know from speaking to zanardi that that there's a that there's some technology obviously involved with the, the prosthetic legs. I remember him talking about different sort of geometries and that kind of thing for just ways to make it easier to walk. So I guess that's a another thing that, that's been interesting to kind of engage in, both for racing application and just in, in day-to-day life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the prosthetics are getting more and more technical as the years go on, just purely on the fact that we've got the technology out there to help people like me that have, are in these situations to to make it as normal as possible um but yeah um like you say um you've you've just got to take what you can get at the minute so with all the prosthetics i'm just i've we've been fortunate enough with the sport i've had to be able to put myself in a good good place with prosthetics and that's definitely helped me again rehab quicker than i would have done before so um yeah the support i've had has also made a big impact in in getting to where i am now 
And so, Stefan, when you, uh, we, we always have a feel about what drivers might be capable of achieving, et cetera. So, uh, put you on the spot. And when you, when you look at Billy, where he is as a driver now, what, what do you think's achievable? You know, we have all these different routes we think drivers can, <laughs> can go well, down. Well, I, I wouldn't like to say I know 100%, just, just, you know, get that disclaimer out there. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it depends on, obviously, the the route for next year with British F3. I mean, I think there's certainly no reason you wouldn't be able to get more podiums um, in the final two rounds this year, and there's no reason you, you shouldn't be able to, to win a race. I mean, as you've said and proven, you know, the pace is there. You just maybe need that little bit, you know, that extra tenth or that little bit more luck than the others or whatever. But, um, you know, that's certainly, you know, not out of the question. Um, as for next year, I mean, I think if you came back to the championship, you know, I'd, I'd expect you to, to be up at the front, you know, challenging for wins, most rounds and ultimately the championship you know I don't think there's a any reason why you shouldn't be able to do that especially if you carry on progressing as you are because as you know as you've said you're finding more and more out about yourself the car the hand controls um and as any racing driver you always want to improve and you know be perfect you know no driver is ever perfect but you know you know you always try try to be um you know so yeah so I think if you came back next year I certainly think championship challenge I hope I'm not putting too much too much pressure on you there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> expect anything less of myself if I came back for a second season. I mean, the way the season progressed for me, uh, obviously round one was great, I got a podium, but in that qualifying session, I think I was about five and a half, six tenths off of pole. So it's just the way the field was split out. Um, towards the middle of the season, everyone else that, uh, that were behind me at the first round or two then progressed and jumped in front of me. And that's for that, at that point, I knew that, I needed to be progressing quicker than I was to get that step back ahead of the field. And I, I feel like the last two or three rounds, of re- we've really worked hard and, and focused and we're now at least back to the same as where we were at the start of the season. At least I think our pace is top five sort of minimum we should be expecting everywhere we go. But we keep that progression up. I think hopefully we'll be, we'll be on for some wins before the end of the season. There, there was a plan for you down the line to do Le Mans, I think the the tie with Frederick Sosa his, his academy. What's what's the status of that? Because I think originally there was an announcement you were working towards racing in Cien Ligier at the end of last season, which I don't think happened. Um, so is is that Le Mans path still possible, or is the single seater thing taking precedence now? Um, yeah, it's it's difficult to say really. I mean, at early on in my rehabilitation, that the thought of doing Le Mans was obviously. It was, a, it was an awesome feeling for me because I've, I've watched Le Mans before. It's been a race that I've been really excited. Every time it gets to that time of the year, you, you see the excitement and buzz around it. Um, and it's something that I still want to want to do and achieve in my career. Um, at that point, I didn't know whether single seat was an option. So the fact that I've now had a, been able to race single seat and that is the, op- the, the, the option we've got, it's, it, it's there. Um, for me, like I say, F1's always been the long-term goal. Um, so at the minute, the path for me is to is to follow single seaters as long as I can, and as far up the ladder as I can. If I, if I, that means that I get to F three or F two, and I realise that either budget reasons or if or for anything any other reason that I can't make the step up, then GTs and prototypes Le Mans is definitely a good place for me to to move on to. I think, um, but I'm not going to give up on the long-term goal until I know that, that I've exhausted every avenue. I mean, it's uh, we, we talked about it earlier and it's it's difficult for any driver in single seats to get up the ladder. I mean, 
you know, all, all drivers, you know, near enough want to get to Formula One, but there's only at the minute 20 seats there. Um, you know, so the, the chances of actually making it is, is, is tough. Um, so you see more and more drivers actually making the, the decision to switch to GTs and sports cars because you can actually make a career out of it. Um, and I think, you know, for, for any driver to actually say, you know what, it's not going to work out in single seaters, but I'm good enough to compete in GTs is actually making a, you know, some people might see it as, oh, you know, they're giving up, but others might see it as being, well, actually, you've made a, a logical choice there. Um, you know, like you say, if you get to a stage and realize that the budget's too much, you know, and it's just not worth it you know gts and the mons the mons always there definitely i mean you've got that you've got formula e which is an upcoming championship as well and something that i think to be honest is going to be the future so um for that's always potentially be an incredible opportunity to try and with the technology that i've got to race trying to pair that with technology the technology that's out there in formula e that they're using that would be a, a a cool thing to to look at in the future so there's definitely stuff out there for me to be getting on with um but like i say f1's the end goal and i'm going to keep pushing for that but like you say there comes a time where unless you know that you're good enough to to make it or you've got the the financial backing to to take it as far as you can it's it's quite difficult with racing drivers because it's your livelihood at the end of the day and it so yeah, we'll, we'll see but i'm going to keep going with how i'm going at the minute but there's definitely other stuff out there as well and the fact that you've got to this point where still that path is perfectly realistic and it's you know what, what you're saying there's exactly the same as just about any other driver in your in your uh at your level would say because obviously budget challenges etc etc that it almost sounds more from the comments about the the one thing like you've almost been surprised by how easy is the word I was going to use, but how possible it is just to sort of reintegrate and just be a bit, just be a racing driver. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if it, if I'd if I'd been struggling and I'd been off the pace and and etc cetera, etc, cetera, I think it would have definitely made the steps to GTs a more realistic option because there's stuff that you they can you can do in a GT car that you can't maybe I couldn't have done in a single seater and I wouldn't You've got have, a lot more space to play with for yeah exactly too. so there's there's a lot more more opportunity to try new things um, there's a lot there tends to be more races as well so in terms of gaining experience um, for me at, at last at, at the start of the season if I'd not been able to progress the way I wanted to or compete at the level I wanted to it might have been a better option to do that. Um, but I've been, like I say, I've been surprised with the the way we've been able to get ourselves back to the front of the grid in a single seater. And if we keep improving and keep progressing and, and keep getting the results, then I'm going to keep following what I think is the right way to get to F1. And if at some point you say that that we can't make that progression anymore, then you know that GTs is is always going to be there. And um, hopefully by that point, I've achieved enough in single seaters to 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 get the attention of some some GT teams and etc to to really um hopefully snap me up and I'll be driving a GT car I never know. Have you been surprised by how how credible Billy's been in in F3 this year? I mean thinking um, back right to the start yeah. when it, the story's changed so much. Yeah, I, th- I think you know for for anybody to for and especially someone as young as yourself I mean you're, you're 19 you're a teenager I mean I don't know about you Ed but when I was 19 I wasn't you know you know, anywhere near as sort of mature as, as you are, I don't think. And um, to come, you know, to come back after what's happened, and to have the success that you've you've had, and how competitive you are, um, 
I think, to be honest, I think it surprised maybe a lot of people. Uh, I mean, I don't know, sort of your friends and family might have, you know, not not sort of feel that way, but I think a lot of people sort of from the outside looking in, you know, might be surprised with, you know, just what you've managed to achieve. Um, and certainly, you know, I'm sure it won't be any more of a surprise to them to, to know that you've sort of improving more and more, um, you know, and obviously you're talking about the future and GTs and stuff. I mean, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't, be able to push on up the single seat ladder, you know, budget budgets aside and that sort of thing. If you know you continue your, you know, p- c- career progression, as it were. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I think the first race back when I got third was obviously a big. It was a shock to me in some ways, but in some ways, I knew the work we put in was good enough that we were going to be competitive. Um, being with a team like Carlin, they d- they don't tend to miss anything in terms of. You, not only the, the car, the way the car's set up, but also in the way that the drivers are performing there. For me, it's been such a great experience to drive with them this season for the fact that I feel like as a driver, I've, I'm improving a lot and they're working hard to improve everything I've got around me as well. Um, I think it's the perfect place for me to go after my accident to really to really understand and learn as much as I, as I can from this first season back. Um and I think I probably, like you say, the, my friends and family, I don't think I surprised too much, or at least the ones that were, were super close and involved in the pre-season stuff because they, they knew where we were at compared to our teammates and they knew where the, we were probably going to be sit on the grid anyway. Um, but obviously for my fellow drivers and um, that I'm competing against and, and fans and spectators, it's definitely for them was probably a bit of a, a shock to the system. Um Surprising the other drivers on the grid with a podium first race back um, was obviously a good feeling for me because um, I think bef- before that when you get to the first round and it was it was I had a lot of media attention about the fact that I was just racing again. Um, it'd be quite easy for them to kind of just see me as sort of a bit of a sideshow to the to the real race and um, not expect me to be near the front and then from that point on not take me seriously, but. It was good to get that result so early on, so that everyone around me took me seriously straight from the off. I, I I bet that sort of took a bit of pressure off you as well in the team, you know, knowing that you you got a podium on outright pace, um, and you know, proving to everyone that you can do it. It wasn't a case of you know you're just there as a sideshow. You know, look, Billy's come back after his injuries. You know, he's, isn't it great that he's racing? You, you've come back and you you're competing at the front, and and as Ed said, competing as a racing driver and wanting wanting to be taken seriously as a racing driver as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was the, that was the goal. I didn't come back to racing to like say to be a sideshow or to to not race to the, t- the to my capabilities. If I come back and and it just wasn't possible and I was two seconds off the pace, I would rather not race than than race at that at that level because. I, the enjoyment I get out of racing is being competitive and winning races. It's not from just going around in a quick car, around a quick circuit. Um, so for me, that was obviously, a, like you say, a big, big sense of relief to know to know that that's where we were um, at that first race meeting. Um, and also for the team, like you say, a big, um, bit more relief and and pride than anything else. I imagine. Um, for them, they they put in as much hard work as I did in the preseason to to get the car to where it needed to be. I mean, it's the first time anyone had ever really properly adapted a single seater to race. So to know that the work they did in winter wasn't wasted effort, and that it was the results we got were so good for them was obviously it was good for me to be able to give that back to them so early on in the season. Obviously, the 
the storyline with you has always been about how inspirational your comeback is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm sure you've heard that word just about every day for, for the past past year or so. But I think it's also important. It's easy on the outside just to see that side of things. But this this must have been incredibly difficult. I'm talking about the whole challenge. You know, the the rehabilitation, the pain, discomfort. I don't know. I guess just sheer just frustration that this has happened to you through no fault of your own that the accident you could have done nothing about completely unsighted and there's got to be very difficult times as well because it's easy one from the outside looking at just the little edited highlights like testing a car again and this and the other but you've had to deal with it every single day the reality of that and I think it's the reason I asked I think it's important to understand just <laughs> what it must have taken to get to here yeah it's, it's it wasn't plain sailing put it that way um you have up days you have down days um and you still, I still do now. And for me, it was I was very lucky to have the the family and the support ne- network around me to to allow me to achieve what I've achieved so far and to and to get my life back on track. Um, so I, I can definitely, um, I definitely, I say I appreciate life a lot more anyway, um, and just day to day stuff. So I think in some ways that helps me as a racing driver as well because because I appreciate things a lot more. I think in some ways I, I appreciate every little fine detail more, which hopefully in, at the end of the day will make me a better driver. Um, but yeah, it definitely it definitely wasn't as easy as, um, like I say, the highlights reel of me first getting back on the car and everything. There was a lot of, there's a lot of people that put in a lot of time and effort when they, when they quite easily could have turned around and said that it wasn't possible or they didn't want to. Um, and that's for me why... The guys at Carlin, I think, when we got that podium in the first race back, got so emotional, and I got so emotional as well, is because everyone, everyone knew that they put in more effort than than a lot of people would have um, in that situation, and and we ne- never gave up in them few months before the start of the season, um, and that's why we were where we, what that's why we got that podium, no other reason, no, no through no. Um, advantage of hand controls there was nothing like that it was all just hard work that went in there um and and hopefully the last few rounds they'll be able to reap more benefits and more awards from from hopefully some wins that's the plan it does seem Stefan, that see carlin have been a, a big part of this story and seem there seems to be kind of a as, as billy alluded to there a real sort of shared journey that's 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 been going on there it's not it's not just another driver in a car, is it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say, sort of, that they're like a second family, aren't they, to you? And uh, you know, over the winter, they've they've put in the effort to get these, you know, these hand controls that have basically they've had to come up with the system, you know, and, and fit them in the car because I think this is the first time a single seater has ever had hand controls. Obviously, GT cars have had them before, but single seaters is sort of, you know, you've so limited with space that it's it's very difficult. Um, so yes, yeah, so from from their point of view, you know. The, They've put in the hard yards as, as well as you. Um, I mean, Carlin, obviously, you know, great team. You know, they've been around in motorsport for so long with Trevor Carlin. Um, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they run a great outfit with the cars at the front. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's 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 great. I mean, I was there at Alton Park and, you know, you, you had a bit of emotion on the podium, but I could see a few of your mechanics and, and they were in tears um, because obviously it just meant so much to them to get you, you know, on the podium and, and they knew what they'd, what lengths they'd gone to, to make it happen. I always say in motorsport, it's all about mental strength, isn't it? And that's obviously something you've, well, if you didn't have it before, you certainly gained it through this. And I think from what you said there, the, perhaps the perspective you get is just the, just the maturity that comes from going through 
what you have done over the past 18 months yeah definitely i mean like i said i'm still 19 i've still got i've still not experienced life to its fullest but i think i definitely take in everything that i do experience now more than not more so than i did before because i quite easily could not be sat here and and then i would have the amount of opportunities and life experience i'd have missed out on would have been huge and um so yeah i'm just gonna make the most of of what's um in front of me um and i think the team are definitely helping me to do that um they've been incredible so we'll, we'll see what the future holds well, it's been fascinating to get a little bit of insight into into your journey and the 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 campaign you've had this year and the the ambitions. That's a great thing to see. The uh, you're not giving yourself a high rating. It's like it's it's all about winning. That's what it should be for a for a racing driver. So thanks very much for your for your time, Billy Munger, and thanks for Stefan Mackley as well for your uh, for your insight as BRDC British Chef Three correspondent. And if you like what you hear in this podcast, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes or whichever podcast platform you favour. And please also head to autosport.com for all the latest news and information on the latest goings-on in the world of motorsport. Everything from Formula 1 to WRC to IndyCar down to national-level racing is covered there. Also check out our subscriber area where the world's leading journalists offer some longer pieces and insight into the big stories and perhaps some of the stories that you've not heard of so much but you should have done. Please also check out sister title F1 Racing Magazine out monthly and also motorsport.com. And remember, Autosport Magazine, still available in print, out every Thursday. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.